Welcome to the Foxy Podcast. Bi monthly show brought to you by Freeform Freakout. The show is produced at KMSU Studios in Mankato, Minnesota. And here on the Foxy Podcast, we try to dig deeper into underground and experimental sounds of the past and present. And welcome to episode number 164 of the Foxy Podcast Show. Hope you're all doing well out there, wherever you're listening from. On this installment, we're going to be spotlighting the work of the Oakland-based label and mail-order outlet Digital Regress. In its roughly five years of operation, Digital Regress has moved from initially documenting some of the arty DIY punk activity taking place in the Bay Area to reissuing some lesser-known classics from the New Zealand underground. Digital Regress also stocks a small selection of mail-order titles that branches out into various areas of post-punk, industrial, and other experimental and fringe sounds. I recently had a chance to speak with Ronnie Portugal, the sole owner and operator of Digital Regress. We discussed some of the background of the label and some of the broader challenges that artists and labels are facing right now. You'll hear that interview throughout the show, along with a broad selection of tracks from Digital Regress releases, and later in the show from some releases by artists and labels that Ronnie has stocked in his mail order section that have captured his attention in the past year. Before we move into the first interview segment, I'll play a few tracks from the label's catalog, starting with something off of the release Some Beautiful Species Left from last year by the band Exec. This is a track called Lobbyist.
Okay, I wanted to start by getting some background on digital regress and what compelled you to start the label. Uh, looking back on the early output, a fair amount of it was documenting Bay Area bands, Oakland specifically. So was that initially where you wanted to focus your attention, I guess, more on what was happening there on a local level? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that the the music scenes in the in the Bay Area have been really really cool um and never like getting enough attention um as other as other places do um and having having grown up here i've always you know i've really felt it was important to like plug stuff that's going on around you know that and kind of try to produce some physical objects for bands and artists that are around the bay area that you know might not get as much love as they would if they were in in a bigger city or you know a cooler area or whatever right right well what what has been your involvement in in, in the bay area punk scene maybe uh prior to starting the label were you in bands were you booking shows you know were you actively involved in the quote-unquote scene there yeah i i used to book a fair amount of shows um at some point I kind of stopped because booking shows is pretty stressful sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of backed out of it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I played in bands. I played in, um, I played in violence creeps, uh, and a couple other, a couple other bands as well. Um, and you know, I, I would do some like filling in on tours if they needed, if someone needed a drummer or whatever, stuff like that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, you know, I know the topic of, of how expensive it is to live in the Bay Area has come up in other interviews and conversations that I've had in recent years. But I know for a while there was like artists and bands were sort of gravitating towards Oakland because I guess it was slightly more affordable than San Francisco. But in the roughly five years that you've been operating Digital Regress, you know, what are some observations that you've made on, I guess, the health and sustainability of the local music scene there. And I fully recognize that, you know, a lot of this is just kind of thrown out the window with what we're currently dealing with, but I guess pre COVID times, you know, what was it, what's it been like there in Oakland? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so much has changed in the last five years in the Bay area. I mean, even five years ago, San Francisco was so unaffordable um, that, you know, all the bands lived in Oakland, even, you know, there were like, Five years ago, there were a fair amount of places that have shows in the city, um, but like a pretty like ninety five percent of the bands are all coming over from Oakland, you know, because mm -hmm. you, you know there's there's a lot more there's like practice spaces out here and like you know it's cheaper to live and you have more time for music, um, but even but yeah, I think in more recent years, it's also like becoming so expensive to live in Oakland and you know, just Alameda County in general, um, that that's kind of becoming less of the case. Mm -hmm. um, I There is definitely a trend, I think, of people kind of leaving town for, you know, cheaper areas where they can, you know, not have to work like three jobs that suck to <laughs> pay right, rent. Right. And then, you know, trying to have a band or a music project on top of that is a, uh, pretty crazy i mean even for me um i'm basically working like 
well before covid i'm you know i work like bars and record stores and just a bunch of like kind of odd things but managing like all that stuff and then like the label on top of it can even that can be you know like a lot a lot of work to right. manage right exactly yeah you know with it being so difficult to sustain smaller venues and, and diy spaces have you seen people kind of come up with creative and innovative options to present live music in your area or even events in your area because i think of you know people are going to be are going to want to perform and and make things happen you know even in difficult situations so i'm wondering if you've seen things like that you know whether it's little pop-up spaces or art gallery happenings maybe not something on a consistent basis but regardless things are happening to kind of keep things going keep things fresh there in your area yeah i i think that you know there's been like some like you know definitely like illegal um show spaces that i will not name <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> that, that uh have popped up and you know and then inevitably like get shut down pretty quick um but there were like a couple of cool like warehouse spaces that people were having shows in um and like people were living in and it was kind of like you know not totally above board so it gets shut down pretty quickly um but i i don't there's been still like like kind of like house shows and a couple of like kind of like underground venues that people are pretty good about being like not posting the address online and not letting like the police catch on to it and whatnot mm -hmm. um but my favorite kind of underground show that i saw for or that i've seen in like the last while was uh there's like a kind of like a hand or like a skate park that some people made um like down the street in west oakland um called the tubes and uh there was a there was like a generator show out there like a year ago or, oh, or cool, a year yeah. and a half ago maybe longer um it was like lumpy and the dumpers and i think the world played it was really really cool there's like a bunch of people like skating and you know it just <laughs> it was out like in the middle of like almost it's like the edge of oakland and that was really cool Right. And I, I imagine given the circumstances that happened in the, the space, the ghost ship space a few years ago, that people were maybe more reluctant to host shows or do things like that in, in that sort of underground DIY warehouse space scenario. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, yeah, the house, I mean, housing is so precarious. And if, you know, if you're having, a show in the place you live and it's you know obviously it's like not totally legal um you don't really want to be like drawing attention to yourself and you know putting yourself in a situation where like you know landlords are going to look for any excuse to evict you and you know mm -hmm. up the rent on someone else or you know do whatever they do um so yeah i mean to, like there's a lot of hesitation and it's kind of i you know i would say like almost like militancy of like people that are having shows just really keeping it like you know uh, yeah. only people that like you can trust know about it um mm -hmm. which is good and bad i guess i don't know because i guess it can be a little bit like uh insular but i totally yeah. understand having to you know protect that stuff and you know protect yourself from from 
speculative housing market. Right, right. And our legal action for that matter. Too, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, right. Well, this first block of music that I'm going to play, I, I thought I'd play some tracks from some releases that you put out by a bunch of Bay Area bands, some of those earlier. Well, not not necessarily all earlier. There's some newer stuff, too. But I thought I'd start with something from Preening, a uh, band with you that you've worked with on a few occasions. I know they put out some stuff on Ever Never Records before, too. But a great band from your area and features Max Nordhile, who I know a name because he's been involved in numerous projects. I think the first thing I ever heard that he was involved in was Nothing Band. And for the longest time, like, who the hell is Nothing Band? <laughs> but I really liked it. But I like this band preening, too. I mean, are, the, uh, are they one of, like, your fav- for, uh, favorite, like, current acts out of the Bay Area right now? Yeah, they're great. Um, and they're good friends of mine. They, Sam and Max live down the street. Um, it was cool doing this record with them. We, we screen printed all the jackets, and it was we had to hand glue them all. So we were doing a lot of, like, back and forth between going over to their house with a glue gun and coming over here with the glue gun and just, you know, really a uh, long process doing that. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And Max has been in a bunch of bands. Um, he was in Uzi rash. Uh, he was in violence creeps. Um, yeah. He's, you know, Max is uh, timeless. He's been <laughs> doing a lot of cool music stuff for, for a really long time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to play this track from preening. It's called dog town top ranking which by the way is a nod to your neighborhood right yeah that's our that's our neighborhood in west oakland right right on the Avonville border right so shout out here to dogtown this is preening Thank you. 
The last couple of years have seen you turn your attention to doing reissues, um, specifically getting into maybe somewhat lesser known artists from the New Zealand and Australian underground. Maybe not Alistair Galbraith, perhaps, you know, he's a fairly well-known name uh, within certain circles. But, you know, aside from simply just liking these particular recordings, I guess, what steered you in this direction of doing reissues? I mean, were you thinking along pretty pragmatic business move in terms of like, you know, reissues are in right now. It makes sense to do that compared to trying to push new artists. Was that kind of a consideration that you had? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it is definitely easier to sell reissues. I think Um, like bands that have, that are older kind of that people know, uh, it's a lot easier to sell those records. You don't have to, you know, do as much work, like convincing people that like, this is a good record. Just kind of like been vetted, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, but like the biggest part of, of doing these reissues is just kind of was like my, well, like these came out last year, like around, like, you know, maybe like six months before that, a year before that, I was really having this phase of just being obsessed with, New Zealand bands and just like digging up anything that I could related and, you know, like seeing like, uh, this dude played in this band, what other bands was he in, uh, you know, and trying to digging through the like weirdo, like flying Nun adjacent and, uh, expressway Mm -hmm. stuff and, you know, anything like dead sea related and Galbraith related and stuff like that. Right. Right. It's quite the rabbit hole to go down, isn't it? Yeah, there's so many bands and like they're <laughs> they're like all good, you know, like there's right. like so much cool stuff. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, thinking about that, you know, as someone who runs a small label myself, it, it, it does that bum you out ever that new music is so hard to get out there? I mean, not to get out there, but to to make people pay attention to it, that people are more inclined to jump all over something that's 30 40 years old just because you know it's a quote-unquote lost masterpiece versus 
stuff that's happening now that I still think is really vital and important, but people think, ah, it's been done before. It's all derivative in some way. Does that like, do you find that maddening at all? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's kind of, it's tough. It's like, I kind of get it. Like, it's like a little bit of information overload. Like there's so much stuff. It's hard to take in everything and like, know like what's good and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, like, I don't, I think people it's, they don't, they're not as quick to give like new things, like a chance or like check out new things, which is kind of, which, you know, on the one hand I kind of get, but on the other hand, it's, you know, it can be a little bit like of a bummer, I think. Right. 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 Well, I mean, have you no, like have sales been noticeably different between the reissues that you've done compared to the new releases that you've done? I mean, is it like significant? Like on, on when, when you look at a spreadsheet, for example, you're like, wow, yeah, there is a definite difference here just on this simple breakdown of what I've done in my catalog. I, I think it's a little bit better. It's, for sure just like you know this band has a legacy and like a fan base and you know like if people know the record and they like it and they don't want to pay 200 dollars for it you know they're gonna mm-hmm. buy it or you know like it's just easier to to sell like i was saying um but you know yeah i don't know it's they're not too different i wouldn't say like i don't know there's not really much money and any of this <laughs> yeah yeah, but, I'm aware. Um, yeah yeah uh but it's but i will yeah i will say it's like a lot easier to like you know sell copies of, a, of something that's a reissue versus versus a new a new artist release you know for better or for worse i mean i can speak personally you know i think i discovered your label uh you know through the reissues and that brought me back into some of the back catalog have you found that has been helpful too? that people are like, Oh, you know, this person's releasing these artists. Maybe I should check out some of the other things that they've done as well. I mean, I kind of do that with all sorts of labels actually. Yeah. But have you, have you heard or have you experienced any of that? Would you say? Um, I would like to think so. That was definitely part of the idea of, you know, if it's kind of like the label doesn't have like a specific genre that it adheres to really, like it's a little bit like, schizophrenic like it's a little bit all over the place you know um and it's kind of you know it's just things that i am into and like kind of the idea is hopefully someone will like you know trust my taste enough that they're like oh like you know he put out this record that i like like i'm gonna check out this other stuff and you know kind of like i think it builds on itself a little bit just as Mm -hmm. you do it longer and have put out more stuff and then you know people are more likely to check it out and, you know, give it a listen, even if it's like a new artist, which like no one's ever heard of, which is, you know, which is cool. Cause you know, I can, if there's something I think is worthwhile that I'm really into that I want to put out and I want to plug, then maybe someone will check it out. Even if, you know, they, you know, it's not a reissue. Right. It's not someone that they've ever heard of or, or whatever. Right. Right. Well, does getting into the reissue area present kind of a whole new host of, logistical hoops for you to jump through i mean i recognize that you're dealing with artists who you know were were dealing were issuing things in pretty small imprints but i mean is that a whole new kind of 
like bit of logistics to navigate for you versus just like a new and up and coming artist where you can just put it out on the spot essentially yeah there's it's more complicated for sure like i mean there's a lot of stuff i've tried to do that just it's just too complicated at a certain point i just gotta be like yeah this I, this mm -hmm. is over this is outside of my you know my you range. don't have I can't. you don't have your huge like copyright legal team um, yeah like, yeah exactly. yeah i don't got my lawyers in here yeah um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah luck, luckily most of the stuff that or like pretty much all the reissues that i've done have been like the artist has the rights they have the rights mm -hmm. to the record it's not like you know maybe it was on some small label that and it's just like they you know a handshake deal and the artist the artist has the rights to the record um right but there there is definitely like a lot of stuff that major labels have the rights to um and that's definitely an area that it seems kind of like silly to pursue because you're just giving a big corporation like a check basically and it's like mm -hmm. the artist is going to see very little of this like I, when you get down that road it just seems like there's a better ways to exercise your resources you know yeah absolutely right well i can say you know going back i mentioned that i discovered your label through some of the reissues and specifically it was the kiwi animal reissues were kind of like put your label on on my radar and you know i knew that band really in name only more than i really knew the recordings themselves you know it was kind of a discovery for me whenever that was last year the year before so can you just provide some general details about how that reissue quote uh campaign if you will came together and i think we'll just jump in and play some kiwi animal tracks after that cool cool um yeah i think that i first heard the kiwi animal on um the dynamite hemorrhage podcast i think was the first time i heard him um and i know jay from dynamite hemorrhage um he he also like digs through a bunch of like cool new zealand stuff um and that was something like i think when i was you know going through that phase of just trying to listen to every new zealand band that was something that came up that i was like whoa like what is what's this like i haven't mm -hmm. I haven't heard this where this come from you know that and then you know and i the stuff that he played i really really liked um so i you know took it upon myself to track them down um and it was it's a funny story tracking down um brent from the kiwi animal i had um tried to i had tried to find contact information for him for months and months and could not find anything anywhere um and i found him because uh a video went viral of him playing ukulele in new zealand like in a field and and there's two dogs in front of him like humping each other and he's like shredding on ukulele behind them and it like went viral <laughs> as like this meme that was like meanwhile in new zealand and that right. was that was how I was able to find him. Uh, like I, he didn't have like any other online presence, but there, like I, this video <laughs> went viral, and I was able to track him down through that, which is pretty funny. That is hilarious, and it's funny that you describe that. And I feel like that sounds very familiar to me. Like I feel like I've stumbled upon that before. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, I guess the question is: is 
how did you not use that for like the the advertising campaign yeah. <laughs> i mean like that's that's perfect i know yeah it's pretty good um yeah that, that guy's a real real character <laughs> well let's play a couple tracks what i'm going to do here which i don't think i've ever done this in the history of the show is play the uh for lack of a better word uh the double shot of a few artists here we're going to play a track each from the kiwi animal reissues and then follow it up with a double shot from the maxine funk uh reissue so we'll get things started here this is the kiwi animal doing time of the leaves from their debut record music media Time of the leaves was the very best time. Time of the leaves was the very best time. Time of the leaves was the very best time. Time of the leaves was the very best time. Time of the leaves was the very best time. Time of the leaves was the very best time. I've got a dollar and it's in my purse. I might go uptown. Communicate. Time of the leaves was the very best time. Walking, talking through them, time of the leaves. Walking through them, talking through them, time of the leaves. Time of the leaves was the very best time. Naked, stripped, and left or bare. Time of the leaves had a time Walking, talking through them, time of the leaves. While we walking through the leaves, time of the leaves. Where are the leaves that we bought today? Of the year. Of the year, of the year. Naked, stripped, and left or bare. Time of the leaves. Time of the leaves. Naked, stripped, and left or bare. Time of the leaves. Very best time. Falling, falling. Time of the leaves. Falling. Walking through them, time of the leaves. Time of the leaves. Time of the leaves. Walking through them, talking through them, time of the leaves. Time of the leaves was the very best time of the year. Time of the leaves, 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 time
time on the leaves was the very best time Mr. Happy. 
Well, how has the current pandemic that we're all living through impacted things for your label? And I mean, I know there's some obvious things that we could talk about here, but, you know, have you experienced any of those major delays with like pressing plants or with uh, a major drop in sales or just shipping nightmares uh, for international shipping, which I know I've been dealing with this past week. Have you had any of those things here in the last three, four months since this has all went down? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, everyone's kind of trying to figure out what this pandemic means for music uh, going forward. And it's, you know, there's not a ton of new records coming out um like understandably so so you know it's kind of like i'm not stocking as many like new distro titles and you know the um our distributor revolver has been shut down um for the most part i think they're like starting to open up now but then you know it's kind of hard to you know trying to drop stuff off but yeah i don't know if they're open or not um stuff like that but yeah it's definitely um made things different um yeah the Pressing plants, we haven't really had too much of a problem with. I think they're kind of slow right now, too, and maybe, you know, operating at a smaller capacity. Um, So there haven't really been too many delays there, which is good because that can be a pain. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's changing. It's definitely changing like the like vinyl game. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what happens on the other side of this. Yeah, right. I mean, it you you referenced that things have just slowed. It's remarkable because, you know, I get updates from various mail order sites and distro sites, you know, like you mentioned Revolver, places like Forced Exposure and stuff. And it's like, man, there would be weeks where there were upwards of 50 to 100 titles every week. And now it's like there was a stretch there was like there it's was like maybe a dozen five things, or 10. You know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's crazy. So it it is strange. And it's strange to be releasing music in a way like how how to move forward what is the right timing for it i mean and maybe we'll talk about this you know with your most recent album here maybe i'll, I'll wait a second here before i get to this question but uh, yeah, um, yeah um you know you talked about the, the mail order bit that you did and i think that's one of the things that i do appreciate what you're doing is there is that um mail order stock that you have available through your website in addition to the, the label stuff and i will say there we have quite a bit of overlapping interest that's for sure but you know by having that mail order section were you thinking of it as a way to expand i guess the identity of the label a bit with maybe less financial risk or was it more of like i want to get some records fairly cheap for myself to add to my collection because let's face it i mean i i know how that goes <laughs> yeah yeah it's a it's definitely both for sure i mean pretty much most of the stuff that i stock i'm like getting a copy for myself for the most part mm-hmm. um but yeah it's i don't know there's there's a lot of cool things coming out that you know i definitely want to be able to like plug along with the stuff that we're releasing you know and kind of I think it does kind of give the label a little bit more of an identity or kind of, you know, just to like, like this, you know, this is the label, this is stuff that we put out and these are the, these are the records that we're into and, you know, and try to like help support um, other labels that are putting stuff out and, you know, try to like plug their stuff as well. Um, I think it kind of, you know, helps everyone out. And then, you know, when other labels have our stuff and, you know, I think it's, it's, it's good for everyone. Right. It leads to opportunities like trades and other, 
avenues to, like you said, to expose people to more stuff. I mean, I know I've tried to do similar things with the, the small scale operation that I have. You know, it's like kind of having a mail order piece, a small label, and it puts you in touch with people all over the place that, you know, if you can get five copies into their hands, that seems small, but it's something. Every copy in this area of music is so damn important, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. So, well, kind of, it ma makes sense to talk maybe about some of those titles that you've been stocking, because obviously you, you listen to quite a range of stuff. So what have been maybe some of your favorite releases or new discoveries that have come through the mail order side of things maybe in the last year or two since you've been doing things like that? Yeah. Um, I know some of the recent stuff that I've just gotten in, like the um, Comer and Mosquitoes are really, really exciting. Um, both of those groups are great. And it's um, like Comer's like two thirds of Mosquitoes or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, both of, both of those bands are really exciting. Um, Triple Negative is really cool that they they just put out another record on uh, Penultimate Press. Right. Um, yeah. Some some of that stuff has been really cool. And then I'm always I'm always checking out um, Discrete Music and all their like associated labels and seeing what they're mm -hmm. putting out. Um, and the there's a Low Company has a lot of like oddball stuff that's really cool um just like really really obscure bizarro tapes that right you right. wouldn't find anywhere else so i'm always grabbing stuff from them too um just mm. to check it out don't you like the low company uh update list too the writing style is pretty lively and entertaining isn't it yeah they put yeah i'm always like wow they put so much time into writing all these reviews I'm like, i love it yeah it's great it's great it takes me back to you know like aquarius's list and back when volcanic tongue was doing it like it's nice to have that more of a, a review of things too that's not just the the label one sheet that they're adding a little personalized touch to it in a fun and entertaining read too right yeah yeah totally like yeah those their reviews are pretty hilarious most of the mm -hmm. time and they're ma they're like mailing updates are always about who has an illness or not which <laughs> who at the shop is like sick or not it's they're pretty good <laughs> right sometimes <laughs> like i almost appreciate that more sometimes than actually going and uh like listening to tracks and previewing stuff like buying stuff just solely on the basis of someone's written description and just to see like when you actually hear it how it lives up to that yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah important. totally yeah it's cool <laughs> yeah well we're gonna head into this uh last bit of music here and this is we'll kind of sign off from here but the the next release that you have coming out is from uh crazy doberman who have been on quite a roll lately putting out a lot of great stuff so i thought we'd play something from their new release that you have coming out very very soon but i thought i'd wrap up with you by asking you know beyond the the crazy doberman release are there any other future plans or things that you can mention at this time for the label or beyond um we you know we really don't have a ton of plans right now it's kind of with the pandemic everything's so up in the air i think we're probably gonna wait you know like this is probably the last record we're gonna put out this year and then mm -hmm. you know hopefully pick up next year when things settle down a little bit and you know there's more stability for everyone um it's also kind of a, right yeah ideally <laughs> um yeah it's kind of i don't know it's just such an uncertain time it's kind of it feels it almost feels a little frivolous to you know be trying to put out a bunch of stuff or 
Um, so I think that the rest of the year, we're going to kind of keep it pretty mellow, try to, try to get on top of everything, you know, right. That's right. the plan for now. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, play something from this new crazy Doberman, uh, record and, Thanks so much, Arani, for your patience uh, through this process. I really appreciate yeah, it. Of course. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun to do. I appreciate it. For sure. So here's Crazy Doberman again.
For this last block of music, I thought we'd play some of the artists and labels that Ronnie mentioned were some of his recent favorites that he's been stocking through the distro section of the Digital Regress website. We'll start things off with a track from the latest Mosquitoes record that just came out on Ever Never Records.
And that's going to bring things to an end for this installment of the show. I want to thank Ronnie once again for taking the time to speak with me this week. If you'd like to check out the complete playlist for this show, you can go to our website at freeformfreakout.com. There are links that will bring you to each of the releases played and where you can purchase a copy if you'd like. You can also get more information about Digital Regress by visiting their website at digitalregress.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can always get in touch with me at fffreakout at hotmail.com. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with a new episode. Until then, thanks so much for listening. <laughs>